0: Ephesians chapter number six tonight will be in Ephesians chapter number six. And we look forward to what the Lord has for us in the Bible study. And uh, I'm going to bring a Bible study tonight that uh, I think will be a help to us uh, at any point, but certainly, Uh, and the day we live in, and it'll tie in with uh, some of the things I've uh, taught on prayer the last couple of weeks, and uh, certainly some of my messages on Sunday, as we do look forward to our Lord's return. And I look forward to uh, our Lord coming back, and uh, certainly He's going to, and I want us to be prepared as a people, be prepared as individual Christians, and certainly do our part uh, as a church. And so now I'm going to give you some warnings before I even read the text. Are you ready for them? Uh, first of all, um, I do have introduction, and I have 10 statements tonight outside of my introduction. And uh, so I'm going to warn you of that, and uh, I will move through them. But as long as I hear the thunder and the rain, I know I'm good on time. So, uh, uh, And I'm going to also uh, warn you that uh, uh, not some of the, the brethren would probably disagree with me on some of this, but I think we're going to look at the Scripture. And uh, I think I'm going to put my finger on uh, where we've missed it as God's people, not just today, but for the last several decades, and uh, we are paying a price for it now, um, for what we have failed to do uh, a generation ago. And if we don't see it now, and if we as churches don't correct it now, it's going to be even worse a generation from now. And uh, I'm also going to show you tonight why the emphasis is what it is as a church. Winning people to Christ, preaching the gospel, uh, starting uh, more more Sunday school classes, more bus routes, more churches, uh, before we start more social programs. Uh, The emphasis in rearing our children not to go make a lot of money and not to fulfill their own dreams, but to do something for the Lord with their life. I'm going to explain it all tonight So I want you to bear with me. I want you to give a good hearing to me. If you're listening to me uh, through the live stream or on our our radio station tonight, I want you to listen very carefully to me. Uh, Those that will come back and watch this later, I want you to listen very carefully to me. It's very important. Uh, what we're going to look at tonight as we look into Ephesians chapter number six. And if you have a pen, I want you to get a pen out because I'm going to have you, you may want to jot some of these things down, uh, but I am going to have you underline a few things in our text tonight that I believe by just having these words underlined is going to help you in giving context to the Bible so tonight, but also to the scripture. Ephesians chapter number six, we begin reading in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. If you think back last Wednesday night, and I believe a week ago Sunday night... I taught from uh, this same chapter, uh, but verses number 18, uh, I talked on prayer and how that's a big part of the spiritual warfare that we are to engage in. We need to be reminded as God's people that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And We see in uh, verse number 10, we're reminded that we're to be strong. We're to, we're, to, we're, to, we're to operate in the power of His might. Verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God. I've alluded to that. Uh, we, I haven't taught on it piece by piece as of yet, uh, but the Bible talks about how we need to be prepared for battle. You don't put on armor just to pass inspection. You don't put on armor just so you can say that, that, that you wear armor. We put on armor to go to battle. We put on armor to, to engage the enemy. That's why God says, uh, that's why the Scripture tells us that we are to, to engage and we're to have that armor on. But there's, there's a verse in here, that in our passage, that we're going to read in just a moment. That And when we read about the armor of God, I think we, 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 it loses the focus that it should have. Because there's so much around it that we pay attention to. Put on the armor. Be strong in the power of His might. Uh, the prayer at the end. But I want you to look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood... But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse number 10 and verse number 11 reminds us that we are in a battle. You with me? Verse number 12 tells us who we are not fighting against. And verse number 12 also tells us who we are fighting against. But I think somehow we get them reversed. Who we're fighting against, who we're not fighting against. Or somehow, they just fade into the background to a nameless, faceless enemy. But we have an enemy tonight. We have an adversary tonight, the devil. And I want to speak tonight on this subject. Our foe is not flesh and blood. Our foe is not flesh and blood. When we understand that, we're going to understand who our foe is. And I'm going to spend some time tonight... Uh, speaking of the Christian's mentality uh, in, uh, when it comes to spiritual matters, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are frustrated politically right now? How many of you are frustrated what's going on in our country right now? You shouldn't be, and you don't have to be as a Christian. What I'm going to share tonight, what I'm going to show tonight, w- once, I, once, w- once, I, once I looked at this, once I, once I, I took this as belief, and said, this is the way I'm going to look at it, I cannot tell you how much frustration left me. That does not mean I'm not interested in what goes on in my nation politically. It does not mean I'm not interested in the things that, uh, as a citizen of this great country, that I, I'm not supposed to, that I should be interested in. But, but we have to look at things, as I've been preaching over the last couple of weeks, through the lens of Scripture how a Christian ought to look at us. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I pray tonight that uh, you would organize my thoughts. I pray that uh, the material that is given tonight would accomplish His purpose in making sure that our focus as your church, uh, your church, is on that which you have commissioned your church to do. Uh, may this give clarity of thought. May this give confidence to your people in the Word of God, in the, in the institution of the church, in uh, what our role is. And Father, I pray that uh, there'll be some spiritual battles won uh, because we are engaging uh, in a spiritual war as we should engage. And Father, may tonight allow us to serve you in a greater way uh, by what is said. May we grab these truths. May we adopt them and hold to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your pen that I mentioned to you just a moment, I want you to look at verse number 12 again. And I want you to underline, if you underline in your Bible, and I think it's a good practice too, I want you to underline the words flesh and blood. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, who is flesh and blood? What is flesh and blood? Man is flesh and blood. Now, there are all kinds of men. There are what... Man's definition would be a good man. Man's definition would be an evil man. We know the Bible has a definition. Man can be evil. I think the murderer of innocent children, unborn children, is evil. I I think figures in history like Adolf Hitler were evil. I even would say that there are evil rulers in our own government if you would sanction the murder of innocent children, if you would work against the things of God uh, by very definition. So I'm not discounting the evil that somebody else can do. But my Bible tells me in spiritual warfare, that's not who we are wrestling against. It is not man that should be our focus, although oftentimes man is I have had this is me this may not be you I cannot watch the news I cannot listen to even even conservative uh, talk shows uh, I cannot it it it, I get angry I get distracted I, I get emotional about it because I happen to know our nation's history so I just remove myself from it does not mean I put my head in the sand I'm very careful that I know what's going on in our country without being immersed in it because I know me. Uh, I, don't want it to, uh, I don't want to get worked up into it because I want to stay grounded, focused on the things that I'm supposed to be focused on because if, if I do that, I can get focused on flesh and blood. We got to get rid of him. I'm so sick of hearing his mouth or her mouth. Now, we, would all, we could all say that at some point, and it could all be very valid of what we're saying. I'm not minimizing that, but we have to be reminded that in spiritual warfare, flesh and blood, man is not our enemy. Although sometimes man takes it upon himself to make himself an enemy. There are, we have political leaders in our nation that hate God's church. They hate the Bible. They hate God. They hate the very nation they've been elected to serve in. They hate freedom. They hate liberty. They hate everything that is good. But I'm here to tell you tonight, and I'm going to show you from the Bible, they're not the enemy. They're not who our focus should be on. Now, notice in that same verse, as God tells us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, that's good, Pastor. Who are we in a battle against? Well, verse 12 tells us also, I want you to underline the word principalities. I want you to underline the word powers. I want you to underline the words rulers of the darkness of this world. i just underline the rest of the verse against spiritual wickedness in high places. So God tells us who we're not in a battle against, and God tells us who we are in a battle against, but against principalities. What is is a, a principality? A principality comes from the word prince. A prince is someone who has an authority over a region. Different terminology is we have a governor of our state. In general sense of the words that's applied here in Scripture, there would be a prince over a principality. I'll give you an example. We I preached on King David last Sunday night, and King David had other princes. Absalom was a prince. You think of Daniel. Daniel was set up as a prince, but he had no relation to the king. He was captured and brought in, but he was set up over a principality in that kingdom. He was a prince. You say, Pastor, why why do you bring this out? Because principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is is called the prince in the power of the air. A prince is someone who has authority over a region. Now, Satan, our adversary, the scripture tells us, has, has power over this world. Our enemy are are against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have an adversary. We have the enemy. You say, well, there are people who... The Bible says, push back flesh and blood and look at the principalities. Look at... Look according to the course of this world also. But because you're saved... Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Our conversation is more than just the words. It's It's our manner of living. So our manner of living before we were saved is in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Are you following the Scripture tonight? We're told to put on the armor because we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but there's principalities. There's, there, there's po- wickedness in high places. Who is It's the prince of the power of the air who has domain. And we're reminded in chapter number 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in His mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But for the grace of God, we were saved. But for the grace of God, we're not still dead in our trespasses. But for the grace of God, we're not still walking according to the course of this world. But for the grace of God, we're not walking according to the prince of the power Of the air. Many of you are old enough, you're old enough to see how our nation has changed over the last 20, 30 years. What used to be on Saturday morning cartoons is a lot different than the cartoons of today. What used to be primetime television, like the Andy Griffith show, you can't watch, a Christian can't watch primetime television. Who do you think is behind the deterioration of our homes and our society? Do you really think it's the political genius of some man? No, it's according to that one, the prince of the power of the air, who rules the principality. God says, Paul's writing to the Christian spiritual warfare. You better buckle up. You better, you better fight in the power of His might. Don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's why we've already talked about later in chapter number 6 how you better bring all prayer. Once you put on the armor, you better engage in prayer. What is that? That's engaging in a world that you and I cannot see. That's mobilizing heaven against the forces that want to destroy us. It's a powerful thing to go to prayer and pray for spiritual protection against this world. Pray for protection for your children, for your home, for your family, for your marriage, for one another. There are things that we are safe from that we don't even realize that God himself had a hand in. Because we engaged in spiritual warfare. Are you following me? So we were just like the lost of this world. People aren't acting today like they're Democrats or Republicans. They're not acting like they're they're, they're uh, uh, this group or that group. They're acting according to the course of this world. They're acting according to the prince of the power of the air. And notice what verse 2 of chapter 2 tells us. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So, why are flesh and blood the way flesh and blood are? Because they're walking according to the prince and the power of the air. You know, a politician cannot say that they're a Christian and then out of the other side of their mouth say that they believe that a woman has a right to murder her unborn child. The two do not go together no matter what they say. But let me remind you, that is not our enemy. Now, let me make a couple more comments in our introduction, I'm going to get you to the ten statements. I haven't even got to the ten statements yet. We understand that we should, the Bible tells us to fear the principalities and the powers and not to fear man. If you spend time with God, you won't fear man. If you've seen the face of God, man's not going to scare you. And if man does, you go to God, spend time with God, and it'll it'll minimize what that man can do. How How can man threaten us when we have a home in heaven, we have a God who keeps the enemy's heart beating? Why are we afraid? We shouldn't be afraid. But what the Bible says, you better have fear for the principality, for the power, and too many Christians, stay with me, put their focus on that flesh and blood. If we vote this person out and get this person in, oh, there was a lot, I'm getting ahead of myself, there was a lot of fasting and praying by churches when they thought Hillary was going to be the president. But I haven't heard the call to prayer by those same churches since then. We get frustrated because many Christians are battling people in places of power in hopes of bringing about a change. There's two sides of this. You hear it on the news now. We're doing this because we want to bring about some change. And Christians and churches are guilty of the same thing. we got to get this person out and get this person in so we can have some real change. That is not in the Scripture. Now, as a citizen, I'm not minimizing voting. I'm not minimizing doing what you can't, should do and ought to do as a citizen. If you're a lazy participant in your government, you deserve what you get. Too many men have shed blood on foreign soil so that we have the right to vote, we have the right to liberty, and we ought to defend it. And if we've got to go to another foreign soil as a nation to defend it, we ought to do it. We ought to support the men that go do it. If we have to defend liberty on our own soil, we ought to defend it. Don't get me wrong. But voting Republican is not going to change your nation. And we've replaced real spiritual warfare with political hoopla in our churches. And there are Christians battling people in places of power, and hosts are bringing about a change. They believe that Christians can, t- can take control of these principalities and powers. If we can get Christians in the White House, in Congress, and we can get Christians in every form of government, what, that's not a bad thing. I think that would be a good thing. But it's still not our principality. It's still his principality. Are you following me tonight? We can stand up against principalities and powers. We can refuse to be controlled by them. However, we cannot change them. Satan will always control this world system. We can have Christians in government, but we will not have a Christian government. I thank God for our president. My dad and I were talking not too long ago I don't know if he's saved or not. There's some who give a clear clear testimony of they believe he got saved. But I can see a change in the man. Some people still want to hold his past against him, but they're the same ones who hold some drunkard's past against him after he gets saved. That's a whole other story. I'm thankful that we have the emphasis. I'm thankful we have a president who acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he doesn't care who likes it or doesn't like it. I'm thankful for that. But we don't have a Christian government. There's still the prince and the power of the air. We're, I think we're going to be here a while. Christians get frustrated for two reasons when it comes to what I'm speaking about tonight. They fight against evil rulers. Fighting against specific people in government is fighting against flesh and blood will never win the battle by challenging their personalities in these places of power. The second reason why they get frustrated is they try to infiltrate the places of power of Christian leaders. Now again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Christians can't and shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm saying, however, that a Christian is not going to change the fact that Satan is the god of this world by being in politics. And like it or not, there is a movement. We've got to get more Christians in government so we can change things. I believe it's better if you have saved men and women representing you. Let's make no mistake. They're still not in church on Sunday morning. They're still giving a token prayer. I think it's better, but it's not... What I'm getting to is it's not the solution. I'm giving all this because of what is going on in our nation... It is an election year, and you and I don't need to get our focus off of what God says we as a Christian and a church ought to keep as our focus. We should exercise our right to vote and do our best to choose candidates who represent our values as Christians. However, in the days of the New Testament, the people had no political voice. They were under rulers who controlled everything politically. They lived the Christian life despite a corrupt pagan government. We in America have been spoiled. Our government was established with many Christian principles. Mistakenly, we have assumed that we at one time had a Christian government. That was never the case. The principalities and powers of this world were always a part of Satan's domain as they are today. While we may do some good and influence our government, Satan is still the god of this world. Throughout history, most of the world has lived under evil governments, but not so for America. While our country has protected the rights of Christianity, Christianity has never ruled our country. America was founded upon the freedom of religion, not the control of Christianity. Satan is the god of this world. He is god in America, just as he is in every other country. The difference, I'm not trying to discourage you, this is what's going to help you. The difference has been the people of America not the government, because America has been a righteous nation in many ways, we have had victory over the powers and the principalities. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation. Listen very carefully. That righteousness speaks of its people, not of its powers or its principalities. I would submit to you that if the people are righteous, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. I would, and the reason why, and this ought to pull the veil back of how much trouble we really are in America, the reason why there's so much emphasis on getting a Christian in the government is because the people are so unrighteous. And instead of dealing with the righteousness, we think we can change or take over the powers and the principalities. The more righteous the people, the more power we have with the principalities and powers. Righteousness exalteth a nation. When the righteousness of God's people is before God, God moves on behalf of those people. You want to see God bring them, you want to see America get back to the moral nation that it used to be for God's people, the salt of the earth. To be the preserving agent for righteousness, for God's people to get right. It doesn't matter if you cast a vote for a Republican if you're living contrary to the Word of God. God doesn't care about your vote in the ballot box. God cares about your relationship with this book. God doesn't care about your per- political affiliation. God cares about the, your affiliation. With his church. God doesn't care if you've got a ticket to a political rally. God cares if you are living by the word of God. And for too long, God's people have put the emphasis on the wrong thing flesh and blood and the powers and the principalities of this world. We're not going to change it. It's the righteousness of God's people that moves God, not the political affiliation. Oh, uh, studying the Word of God, the Holy Spirit just opens things. But I have read a lot of American history. America has flourished under some wicked leaders. But God blessed America Not because of the morality or the immorality in the White House, but because of the morality of the church house. The problem we have today is not the immorality in the White House, it's the immorality in the church house. The problem we have today is not the lack of holiness in the halls of Congress, it's the lack of holiness in the pulpit and the pew. Because God exalts A nation based on its righteousness. I don't know if this is helping you, but it's helping me to say it. The more righteous the people, the more power we have over the principalities and powers. America was not a great nation because of a Christian government, because of righteous people. One of the dangers has been the politicizing of our churches. Although I'm not suggesting that we neglect our responsibilities as citizens, I'm suggesting that victory is not determined by the government, but by God. If my people, which are called by my name, will get together and get Christian leaders into, then we can bypass confessing our sins. Then we can bypass getting the churches back to what the churches could be. That's not really in the Bible. That's just some of the philosophy today. Our democratic republic is a superior form of government. It is, however, a bit deceiving. Christians can be loyal to believing that we can vote our way into power. How can we vote our way into power when we don't even control the principality? Think about it. You think God's limited by Democrat or Republican? You think God's limited by overreaching governors? Not at all. We're spoiled because we have lived in the greatest nation ever on this earth. But when it comes to God's church and God's people and the work of God, it doesn't matter. Now, we may have it a little easier if you have certain people in power, but don't miss what I'm saying. I've got to get you these ten things. The victory, this is the point I'm trying to make. I hope, I hope you stay with me, and I hope you understand the spirit that I'm giving this. I hope you understand what this needs to be said in our nation today, because we are reaping the benefits of, of things like the moral majority 30 years ago. Well, it got Reagan elected. Go, oh, and God was thanking, thanking us. I, I, great president, I love him. But what, what's happened to our nation is because we got bent out of the pulpit into politics and there's nobody preaching. I'll get to that in a moment. Christianity is not threatened from those who hold the office in our government. It is from the one who controls the system of our government. Satan is our enemy. He is our foe. That's the introduction. Statement number one. If our battle is not against flesh and blood, then the key to victory is not in flesh and blood. If the battle is not against flesh and blood, the key to victory is not in flesh and blood. Politicians will not give us victory. Quite frankly, and, and I, I went 2016 election. I said nothing about who to vote for. I said nothing about who I was voting for. But I, but I knew one person that wasn't getting elected because he was the savior for the churches. And I think one reason why we have the president we have is just because God can remind the Christians. I can use any man I want to use. I don't have time to give this illustration, but I'm going to. I recall sitting at a table, a preacher sharing a meal in a different state months before the 2016 election. I recall one man be- bemoaning the fact that Donald Trump was winning the Republican primary. He then went on to, I'm reading from a chapter of my new book, by the way. He then went on to say that God would judge America because she was choosing money over him. I interpret that statement to mean that because America was choosing a millionaire businessman to ignite the economy instead of the, uh, the professed Christian, that God was going to judge our nation. I was a little surprised by this summation because I thought America had earned the judgment of God already by aborting millions of unborn children. I assumed a vile filth pumped out of Hollywood, USA, would be enough to, to draw God's ire, but apparently I was wrong. I was surprised by the universal agreement among the brethren at the table. These were good, faithful men, but they were focused on flesh and blood as the key to victory. If our battle is not against flesh and blood, then the key to victory is not in flesh and blood. Nobody's liking this tonight. All we need is God, folks. That's the point. Number two, if our battle is not against flesh and blood, then it is not against those in office who are, are, in, who are our enemies to our faith and beliefs. Then it's not against those in office who are enemies in our faith and beliefs. Number three, righteousness in government does not exalt a nation. Righteousness in the people exalts a nation. When Christians of any nation live righteously, God will elevate the people. Matter of fact, there are nations right now that are prospering under evil rule, and it's because there are people in those nations, churches are being started, souls are being won by the hundreds and the thousands, and God just pushes past the effect of communism even in that nation and blesses those people. Because God is not bound by a ruler. Number four, the pastor in the pulpit is more important than the politician in office. And What brethren I have left with me, I'm going to lose them right here. When pastors turn from the pulpit to politics, they weaken their influence. What happens in the lives of the people in the Emmanuel Baptist Church has a greater effect on our city, than whoever the mayor is. What takes place in this ministry, in young people being reared to go and serve the Lord, start churches in other cities—that is more has more of an impact than a term in any kind of political uh, arena. Souls being saved lives being changed. Friend, let me help you tonight. You, you being strengthened by the Word of God so that your marriage is strengthened, so your Christian life is strengthened, so that, so that you stay strong, you stay in the battle, you're able to guard against those fiery darts, and, and we can really do something for the Lord. That The pastor in the pulpit is more important than the politics in office. You know, I, Oh. I, I, I'm i not interested in being summoned to the state capitol, the White House, church meets 1045 Sunday morning. You know, we'd be better off if the politician came to see the preacher and said, how do we get this fixed? That's... That wasn't in my outline. I don't know how that got there. I'm not saying that Christians should not enter politics. What I'm saying is that we need preachers with a vision for their city, whether we need politicians with a vision for their government. Number five, if righteousness, man, I felt lonely tonight, exalts a nation, not with you, just in general, then soul winning is more important than political activism. We will never have a Christian government, but we can have a Christian nation. And according to the Bible, a Christian nation gets, a whole, gets the attention of God more than the Christian government does. If righteousness exalts a nation, the winning is more important than political activism. The government is under control of the God of this world. I will vote for Christians when possible. But I'm not going to vote for the Christian who will do more damage to my country than, than somebody else will. That, that's not there either, but that's free. The hope of our country is for those In Ephesians chapter number two, who Paul reminds the church, this is what you were; those that are still marching to the prince of the power of this air. And when one of them gets saved, and we get them in church, and we teach them the word of God, and they begin to seek the things of the Lord, guess who they're not marching with? The prince and the power of the is heir. The the principality that is controlled. They are now working for the Lord. Soul winning is more important than political political activism. We are not losing in our Christian lives because of an evil government. Your, your, Your issues and my issues in our Christian life has nothing to do with who's in the White House. It has everything to do with our flesh. Number six. Our battle is not against the government. It is against Satan's power. Can I help you what we all, our goal ought to be? Do you love your nation? I do. You want to help your country? Let me tell you how to do it according to the word of God. Be the best Christian you can be. You spend time in this book getting close to God. You spend time in your prayer closet asking God to do things that only he can do. You, you tithe to God's church. You give to God's church so His work can be done. You support missions so missionaries can go out. You get yourself involved in the things of God. Quit complaining about when we have a choir, singing in the choir, being at choir practice, and realize that you get to have a part in God's church. Don't shirk the responsibility to be a soul winner. You win somebody to Christ. You invite somebody to church. Don't run when I'm looking for Sunday school teachers. Instead of trying to, figure out how to be a draft dodger, volunteer to serve in God's army? You love your country? That's what's going to change it? I'm sorry to be so passionate. I must have the armor of God if I'm going to be able to stand against the principalities and powers. Remember, the principalities and powers are not flesh and blood. They're the powers that control this world. Number seven, social media is not our battleground. All the anti-liberal rhetoric is not doing anything to make us stronger Christians. You can't, go, you can't battle the prince and the power of the air in the air and think that you're going to win. Even logically, it doesn't make sense. But social media is not our battleground. I'm forced to take a stand. You know me well enough to know that. And sometimes we have to take a stand against the the attacks of the flesh and blood. But many Christians are losing the personal fight of faith while railing against political leaders who oppose their values. Something I want to always consider, I want to consider how a lost person considers what I say. Because the Bible does tell us that the goodness of God is what leads men to repentance. Not my political dissection of what's going on in our nation. Uh, and by the way, I'm not, I'm, I just think this needs to be, I want us to be on the same page as the Bible. I don't care. I mean, I care because I care for my nation, but I'm not concerned with somebody. It needs to be said, but I want us to understand what's going on in our nation. Uh, we have to, If we spend as much time in our prayer closets, as we spend on social media or out soul winning or preparing for a Sunday school lesson, number eight, some of you look like you want me to move off of that one, but so. Soul winning is under such an attack because the God of this world hates it. Satan knows that if he can distract us from our main task, he'll win the ultimate battle. Now, I'm not against political rallies. The rumor is there may be a very, very big one in Jacksonville this summer. I'm not against it. But Satan ain't shaking in his boots because of a Trump rally. Let me tell you what does get his attention. when The Sunday school bus cranks up on Sunday morning. When the captive audience of a Sunday school class and the Word of God is being given. When moms and dads are praying for their children for God to use them and protect them. That gets his attention. When, those, when Christians live a holy and a righteous life, that he fears that more than he fears anything else. He fears the gospel being preached. I mean, why, have you ever considered why the devil fights our church as much as he fights our church? I mean, we just now got a parking lot after five years. I mean, we, we, we cram in. I mean I mean, we have no standing, if you will. People get saved every week of the world because of the people of Emmanuel Baptist Church. There are people who climb in their their prayer closets early in the morning and get a hold of God. God reaches in amongst us and, and, and reaches into the lives of our young people, our children, and use them in other places of the world. That's what gets his attention. Attend the political rally, but don't forsake the soul winning rally. Canvas for a candidate running for office after you go door-to-door door and house-to-house house with the gospel. Turning people to righteousness is our responsibility. Number nine, we're almost done, folks. Politics do not lead to revival. Some of the greatest revivals have taken place in this. Some of the most oppressive governments. Something explained to me the New Testament church in the book of Acts. They're beheading Christians. They're using their bodies at night to light the city. And the church is multiplying so fast that it literally turns the world upside down. I guess they should have stopped what they were doing went into a political revolution so that they could do what God told them to do. No, the key was, they got the power of God and obeyed what God said, and God said, as long as the people are righteous, as long as the word is being preached, I can can move whatever I want to move. Second world countries. Third world countries. I've been to other countries, to a group of Christians, They don't have air conditioning. They don't even have windows. They don't have anywhere to sleep, but literally an old mattress on a dirt floor. But yet, they'll get up early in the morning and let you preach to them all day long. I'm thanking God that the calendar's ticking so I can get back to the good old U.S. of A. I want to get But you know what? You piece it together, and because most of these places are Spanish-speaking, and I know they're all talking about me. I hear the word gringo every once in a while. and, And so I'm just sitting back, but I get to observe. You know what I notice? How happy they are. There's a there's revolution in their country, but they're happy. You and I will throw away more food than they'll eat, but they're happy. There's a lot that goes into that, but what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter who is in control politically, if you're close to your God and you're seeking after your God, you can still have victory Spiritually. Many of the books we read, the epistles of Paul, we know where he wrote them from. Prison, awaiting his execution. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, certainly. But they're not messages of doom and gloom. But personal victory. Don't lose sight in this, that you and I, the greatest thing that we need to be focused on, on is us that's really a lot of what i want to emphasize and i think i've emphasized it i'll emphasize it again we're wanting to make a political revolution and we can't even keep our christian life in order bless god those politicians spin like they're going out of control they need to balance the budget how's your tithe sheet doing Well, that's apples and oranges. Well, my point is, before you're worried about how Congress is spending their money, how are you spending yours when it comes to the things of God? That's the point I'm making. And as the church, we're supposed to be doing what the church is supposed to do. We are reaping in our nation the shirking of the responsibility and the loss of focus over the last 30 years. Don't get upset at me, young couple. When your children start getting older, and they're in that Christian school, and that emphasis, give your life to God. Give your life to God. Don't be upset at your pastor. You might be praying for them to stay. Make you a lot of money. That's not my prayer. Because if God's allowed me to see anything, it's that I know there's going to be another generation in the future. And if God tarries His coming, if the Lord tarries His coming, what is done today is going to determine the results of Thirty years from now, I've had this on my heart, and and, and this is in, and I'm preaching in a couple of other places in the next few weeks. So I've been, I'm really burdened about this. There's a lot of people complaining about their nation today, but they jerk their kids. I have a Bible preaching church. Twenty years ago, there there's a lot of people whose kids, and they're wondering what kind of country is my kids going to grow up in. And when they had an opportunity to answer God's call or run from it, they ran from it. And all the votes for a certain candidate in the world is not going to change what should have taken place. And the selfishness is not just about, i got to have two cars in my garage. It's about Christians. We don't care about who's coming 30 years from now. That's why I'm passionate about what we do as a church. That's why I'm passionate with you young adults. Because one, you can't see it now. But you're going to have a wife. You're going to have a husband. You're going to have kids. You're going to have grandkids. What kind of a world are they going to live in? Because of decisions that are made in this generation. What's what I've always wanted to do? Well, it's Wednesday night. We better stop. We're not going to change it politically. We're going to change it spiritually. And I think I'm just determined to do what I can do to do my part for God. God. And I've lived long enough and I understand enough to know that if I do what I can for God, it will affect my nation. One soul, one. One soul. I'm going to go back to him over and over. Or you can come this Sunday. You can come this Sunday. That's one more not marching to the prince and the power of the air. If If God will use me to keep one marriage from breaking apart, that's one home. You can do your part. That is what is going to change our nation. We're not battling flesh and blood. And it's easy. I'll confess to you. I get in the flesh. It's easy to identify... Certain parties and certain groups that put forward ideology that is so against this book, and then they blaspheme the Holy Spirit by saying God would do this or Jesus would do this. And much less, it's not even if, if they had lived in the day of our, our, our founding fathers, they would, have hung, they would get hung. Members of Congress would get hung. That's one of the curses of knowing history, it, it, it angers you. But they're not my enemy. I've got to be aware of that prince of the power. And I'm not going to battle so-and-so politician. i got to go to my prayer closet and battle the prince and the power of the air. And I can't do that in my strength. I've got to say, God, you've got to intercede. God, You've got to call another one. God help me be the kind of leader I need to be to give the counsel I need to give and the direction and keep the ministry going how it needs to go so that you can call those that need to go. And you we, we can reach more people. One election is just gonna get us through the next four years. But there's a whole world that we're supposed to influence as a church. It's not going to happen politically. Now, if you want to take what I said tonight out of context, you can do it. It won't be the first time. You as a citizen, you ought to fulfill your obligation. And I I don't want another Christian come tell me, well, I just couldn't vote because, because I just didn't think they were. I don't want to hear it. It's a right we have. You ought to do it. Before you go vote, let's battle the prince. Let's do our part. I'm continuing to talk because I can hear the rain. Y'all aren't going anywhere. You're stuck. Number 11. (laughs) Um, I love my nation. I love my state. Uh, Best I can, I love my city. And I know the greatest thing that i can do we can do as a church is not impact politically but we can engage in spiritual warfare so let's do that father help us